Hi, everybody. This is Danny Conroy, and this is the I Can't Help You podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am joined in the studio here today. Well, we're actually not in the studio. We're locked out of the studio, which is why you're hearing a little less quality than you normally do. But Lauren and I are sitting here, and we decided the show must go on. We have Daniel Braha here of SOS Media, and he's a very interesting person, and we're going to have a little conversation here. Daniel, say hello to the people. Hello, people. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. It's good to have you here. Thank you. I literally met Daniel like 10 minutes ago, and I'm already super excited to talk. So, um, yeah, man. Welcome. Tell us a little bit about you and, 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 and your work and kind of what brings you, what brought you to this moment here today? Um, well, I, uh, I, I've been doing design for about 16 years, and uh, about uh, 25% of that was, is, has been done on the road, sort of traveling around the world, trying to find the most remote, extreme places I could go, and then still sort of set up my Wi-Fi connection and still deliver web design, logo design, branding, um, consulting work from, from around the world. And uh, so, and then, uh, you know, I think, I think you guys saw me do a, do a speech here at Made Life a couple weeks ago. And so here we are. Awesome. Well, welcome. We're really, really glad to have you. Um, if somebody wanted to look at some of your work kind of as we're, going, as we're talking here, um, what website could they call up here just to kind of check it out and see what you look like and what the, uh, some of the work that you've done? I've, I've looked at it, and some of your images and stuff are really cool. Oh, thanks. Uh, it would be sosmedia.com is the website. Um, I'm not sure if there's any pictures of my face on there, though. I, I think you just have to, you just have to Google me and see. Just have to imagine. <laughs> yeah. Just another awesome Daniel right. in the world. Um, awesome. Well, tell me. So that's that's really cool. It's like I went to all these remote places and checked out all these other things. And I know you have a deep social mission within you and what you're doing. Like, how did how did you arrive to design? I mean, most people I know have kind of arrived there by accident. It wasn't like they were playing with trucks when they were five and said, "I want to do design." How did you? How has things evolved? for you that you actually got involved in design work? Um, well, actually, when I was five years old playing with trucks, people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I, I would say, I want to be a psychotherapist. That was, really? <laughs> that's what I always At wanted five? to be. At five? Really? Like, oh, yeah. I was oh, like, that's amazing. I want to be, yeah, it would freak people out, for sure. <laughs> I want to be a psychotherapist. And so when I went to college, I went to Arizona State, and um, I started taking psychology classes there. And I realized that everybody in those classes was completely nuts. And so, <laughs> so I was like, I got to get I have so much to say about that that I can't because of our listeners. But go on. <laughs> right. So every single person in the class, yes. Uh, They're all so, certifiably crazy. Yes, yes. That's a technical term, right. nuts. Uh, so <laughs> so I, I basically didn't know what else to do. I, I, I knew I had to get out of there. I, I knew that this wasn't the path for me. And I had always loved to do you know art and design and sort of draw stuff and and um, make up band names and write, create band logos and stuff like this and um, and so I just actually chose what I thought was the easiest way out of college which would be graphic design and it turns out that Arizona State had uh, one of the top ten most accredited uh, difficult hardcore uh, design programs in the country. So in my, in my attempt to just get out of college, easy. Yeah, you, you thought you were sliding through, and you actually made it a lot, unconsciously, a lot harder for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I thought I was sliding out of college, and then I'd figure it out on the other side. And in, in fact, I, I fully, I ended up with an extremely good 
design education and and I actually fell in love with design through that process um, and I realized that what design is is visual communication and you're trying to take somebody from one state of being to another through the art of visual communication so in a lot of ways I'm still doing psychotherapy. <laughs> I'm just using design. Well, you're definitely bringing to li- great design in my mind really brings to light elements of the unconscious, for example, elements of the unspoken, elements of something that's trying to be communicated through visual design, as you already said. And in essence, that's kind of what my interpretation of therapy is basically is like, what are these unconscious motives who do we want to be in the world how do we want to present that right and and then what are the stumbling blocks as i know happens in design having gone through processes with designers myself you go through a whole bunch of different processes till you're coming out with something that feels authentic to you right and feels like it's a a, an authentic expression i suppose at least for in our areas of design that's what we've kind of focused on you know um how did you, so where did you grow up? Tell me a little bit about that. Like, where'd you grow up and how did you end up in Boulder? All that good stuff. Sure. Um, I grew up, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and grew up in New Jersey. And uh, then when I went to college in Arizona, I ended up staying in Arizona for about 10 years. Um, and then I went traveling uh, for, for almost a year. And then when I came back, I, I found Boulder, actually traveled around some more. I lived for a little while in San Francisco, went traveling some more, and I keep coming back to Boulder. Uh, most recently, I traveled for a few years, and then again came back here. I just I found it. My Watts curse, right? <laughs> that's right. Actually, yeah, I was on a different podcast, and that's what they called it. Ultimately, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, and, I, and I'm watching it. I'm watching the curse happen in real time. I mean, traffic is definitely getting getting more and more. I can almost no longer afford to live here. I mean, it's like house prices so it's definitely the curse of the beauty of the place bringing so many people here and ultimately ruining it is is happening exactly i I joke about that all the time my family's been here since 1976 so you know obviously tons of changes over that period of time and 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 i'm not one of these people say it's all for the worse right because there's there's more cool stuff happening in Boulder now. Sure. Um, there's really much better restaurants. There's actually we have some very fine dining establishments, and um, and we get more entertainment and more artists coming through. So there's there's a whole bunch of things that are really cool about it. But yeah, it's I tell people it's a whole lot more like the Bay Area here now than what you would normally think of as Colorado, you know, or something. So and Denver too. Denver's growing like that as well. So that's. What are you going to do? I decided I'm not going to complain about it because there's really not much I can do to control it, right? No, I agree. I agree, M- myself included. I, I, I do love it here, and that's why I stay here. I yeah. mean, all that aside, I mean, that's why I'm here. I mean, yeah. every day I look up at those mountains and I breathe fresh, clean air, yeah. and people are nice and they smile, yeah. and, and you know, it feels great. It really yeah. does feel great to be here. Yeah. Cool. So you, so you leave Arizona, you go travel. Where did you travel in that year? You've been all over the place, right? Where, where have you been? Where have your travels brought you? Sure. Well, you know, wh- the first time I went was uh, my, my, uh, I was working at this company and my, my boss at that company had just read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Sure. And he suggested that I go traveling. Um, he, you know, I had told him that I love to travel. He being the guy you worked for or Tim Ferriss himself? Oh, <laughs> the guy that I worked for, definitely. <laughs> the guy that I worked for, he read all these kind of books um, and he thought this would be really fun to try. So I went for eight and a half months, and I went to um, Thailand, 
and Bali and um, <clears throat> Laos, Cambodia, Hong Kong, and each of these places, you know, he would be sending me work and I'd still be delivering design work, working for my, the same company. And we proved that it could be done. You know, I mean, we, there was no lo- loss of quality, no... What time frame is this, too? Like, when, when were you doing this? When he was sending you work to these bizarre places and you were traveling and working from it? Because obviously, I'm just thinking about technology. It had to be in the last 20 years, right? Sure. This was 2004, maybe. Okay. So yeah. this was before everybody was, you know, out doing it, I this suppose. Before, like, nobody had an office. People still had offices at this point. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's still, to find Wi-Fi wasn't the easiest thing. Right. Um, but I could definitely, I could definitely figure it out. Nice. So, nice. Um, it, you know, year by year, it's getting easier and easier now. Yeah. Now you can't go anywhere without, you know, having, you can get Wi-Fi in the most remote villages. You know, at the top of a volcano, they all have Wi-Fi. Totally. So, how, how has travel informed your work? So, you know, maybe you're working for a client at that point in some exotic country or some other place. Uh, how do you feel like travel in general, seeing other parts of the world, has affected your worldview and ultimately your work? Um, well, you know, I'm trying to think. One of the projects I did was I went to South Korea and designed a, a school there, to, an English language school wow. in South Korea. And you know, my first month, I convinced the client, um, who was a friend of mine, that I just, all I was going to do is listen and walk around and absorb, like, what it is to have an English language school. What is, what are people in Korea like? like the students would be teenage Korean people. Like, I have no idea. What are they, what kind of colors do they like? What kind of shapes? What are, who are their heroes? What do they see when they get on the, the subway and these kind of things? And so... You know, for that, I'm sort of like a, a method actor in a way where I just try to get so far into the psyche of the, of the person who's going to be receiving my design that, uh, that I think that's really informed my life in a way. When I come back to America, I realize it's the same thing. You take on the sort of like cultural norms of the place that you're in. And I think kind of like immer- immersion and really understanding leads to the best design. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, exactly. And so I think when I come back and I see some of my coworkers or I see friends, and I feel like they don't realize that it's just an immer- they're just in an immersion, mm. and, and all this stuff is just another cultural thing that they're taking on. Uh, I think that's informed my work, where I can I can separate between what the culture is and who I am or, or what the what 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 is external and what is internal yeah, yeah so I think that's where maybe the difference is in my in my mind is it ever a challenge in design work to keep you out of it um I, no I don't think so I, I feel like I you know the thing that I wish I had in some senses was a style, a personal approach. Some of my hero designers, they always have these amazing, they always look like their thing. You can tell it's their work. Their brand is there while still highlighting the client. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. And I'm really, I'm jealous of that because, but what I end up doing is a more of a chameleon type of approach. I honestly look at my portfolio and I can't see myself in it. It's it's you know this might be a, a school and this might be a cupcake company and this might be a sticker company and this might be a technology company and I feel like all those designs are authentic 
to who the client is and what their product is and who their customer is. And I'm just like the conduit. Yeah. I'm just like the tool that makes that communication. Have you had any big challenges yourself? Um, you know, from the time you were born kind of going forward, do you have any like big challenges that you feel like informed, I don't know, who you are today in a positive way? Like, you know, a lot of our listeners have gone through major traumas in their life and I'm not looking to, I'm not, I'm not trying to go fishing here. I'm just, I'm curious, like how some of your challenges, whether it's with work or interpersonally or whatever, how has that informed, you know, your success and who you are in the world today? Um, I mean, I, in a sense, I, you know, I'm nothing, nothing, I'm, I'm not working out some sort of initial, some sort of trauma, I think. I, I, I feel like I was lucky enough to have been born to a, a loving family in, in a healthy place, in a, in a place where I got educated in good schools. And in a sense, I feel, I feel so, like the chances of that happening are so minuscule mm. that I, I swear I must have done something right in about a thousand other lifetimes to deserve that. I don't know what I did to, to deserve to be born the, in the, as lucky as I was well-fed, all 10 fingers and toes, no major health problems. And, um, and so I feel like, in a sense, my duty is to take this and spread the most that I can in terms of positivity, love, generosity. And that's, that's the duty that I have, being born with, with in, in, a, in a healthy, loving way. Right on. That totally resonates with me. It's kind of like, you know, hey, I acknowledge I've had a certain amount of privilege, meaning I've been nurtured in a way and given opportunities that some people don't have. And my place in the world is to not deny that, but rather use that to, you know, sounds cliche, but make the world a better place, you know, to be able to bring some of that light in and in other places. And that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Um, How important is listening to design? Very important. I think it's, I even, in my sort of mission statement on my website, I think I even write something along those lines, like we listen, which I think is kind of a strange thing because people just want to know how good are your skills, how, you know, how much do your websites cost? Uh, Whereas I I think it's all in the listening. Everything is in listening. And that's what I tell, um, you know, my, my colleagues and is just listen. Just when you're in the meetings, just have your pen out and start writing what they're saying. And the Everything you need to know is in the mouth of the person who's speaking to you. There's no, you know, you just, all you do is nod and potentially respond in a vague way, but don't, like, it's all listening. Yeah. <laughs> what were you like in high school? What, was you, what were you into then? Uh, <clears throat> I, was in a, I was in a band in high school, yeah. What was the name of it? It was called Stone Davidian. Stone Davidian, I love it. And there's something tells me there is a logo that goes with that. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that was it. I was like, I had, well, I think this was probably the beginning of my graphic design career. Yeah, I, first I had probably 30 different names and I went around and asked people which names they preferred and took, you know, like did like customer research essentially. Sure, totally. Well, kind of like what you do now, right? Totally. Yeah, exactly. I was doing this when I was, yeah, 15 years old. And then, you know, I had it whittled down to the top three, did it in the second set of user testing, uh, you know, finally had the, you know, the design, you know, and then all about designing the posters and the flyers for the, for the band for yeah. sure. Nice. 
What do you do to take care of yourself? How do you take good care of yourself? It looks like you take care of good care of yourself. You're, you look healthy. You're, you look clear-eyed. You, you know, curious. What do you do to take care of yourself? Um, well, I, you know, I, I eat well. I think you know, I, I eat mostly vegetarian. I would say, you know, I, I, in my travels, I found that I make, I started making my own like sort of granola breakfast and i still do that so i make my own granola i used so you to hit up the bulk aisle at alfalfa's or whole foods and then you kind of make your own sort of mixes of stuff yeah that's yeah. right that's right and so i started doing that as i was traveling and i would it was so strange to roll up to a hostel with you know 12 bunk beds in a room and i'd have this like three pound bag of my <laughs> own like dusty old bag of granola that i'd be traveling with for months <laughs> like and i would just refill it you know as, as i went along so that's the breakfast uh you know lunch i make a salad I, I make all salads for the whole week and i think that keeps me clean and uh operating at a high level um and then you know a good good dinner you know i treat you know i spend a lot of time with my wife so we just hang out and laugh. She's an artist, so we do a lot of art in the evenings. Um, How did the two of you meet? Uh, when I was designing that school in South Korea, she was an art teacher in South Korea, and we had a mutual friend, and he introduced us to each other. That's and awesome. So, um, yeah, so we fell in love, and she ended up coming traveling with me for a while, um, I had a I had a retreat company in Spain and Thailand, and we would take people and they would fly in and we'd take them for a week and we would feed them and do yoga and um, meditation and exercise with them, and she came in and started teaching art to them, and so we spent we spent quite a quite we went from strangers to you know twenty four seven every day you know across the world together, and so it just continued that way. How long total were you kind of overseas? It sounds like you were there for quite a while. Uh, the last time I was gone, I was gone for three and a half years. Whoa. <laughs> Did you come back much or? A couple, only, no, not really. Maybe twice I think I came back. One because my grandma got sick and another, um, uh, I, I think I just had to come and check in. But that was it, yeah. And was most of that time in South Korea or did you travel all over during that time? Yeah, I traveled all over. I, sp I spent a lot of time in Peru, um, uh, Ecuador. Um, I did spend a lot of time in Thailand and um, Laos as well. I spent a lot of time in Europe, um, Spain. I got. Um, I have a Maltese citizenship, so wow. I'm half Maltese. Wow. <laughs> so, so just I, in case shit really hits the fan here, you out, right? That's right. I have. A, I have another passport. <laughs> that seems wise. I want to get on that train. That's right. I actually spent a good like six weeks in Malta getting that passport. You know, going to the passport office every day and making sure that I got I got it. So I have that, and uh, so I can spend time in Europe. So I spent a lot of time in Europe, Spain especially. Yeah. Um, so my my other side of the family from generations back is Spanish. So um, so I spent a lot of time there in England and Ireland. So. No secret we're living in like kind of crazy political times here in this country right now. And um, I'm curious from your travels and, and being all over, I think in my experience traveling internationally, though I haven't done it nearly as much as I would like, the one thing that has struck me is how young the United States is. So when I go, when I go other places, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like we're this like maybe just coming into adolescence country. And whereas there's these other countries for better or worse that are like, 
much, much older and more established norms and cultural precedent and value of art and different pieces that you just don't get with a young country that kind of pillaged the locals to get, the, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's not, it's not much of a secret. Having traveled around, looked around where we are today, what's your read on the current political thing and where we stand in the world? I mean, I know I'm kind of shifting gears here, but I'm, I like asking people who have traveled a lot and who I'm guessing think about these things sometimes. Sure. Um, I mean, it's interesting what you, what you say, because my, uh, my wife is British, and so I hear about this, the youth of our nation quite often from her. She says that quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, all the time. So we went to the Depot Roadhouse here, and I'm saying, oh, look, this is from the old, like, 1800s. The, look at the, old, the gold miners, and you can see the old walls. This yeah. is an old, like, and she's like, She's like, this in England would be, like, brand new. This is, like, you, like if you want old in England, it's, like, 1600s. Right, that's, like, right, that's right. pretty old. That's getting, like, moderately right. old. That's, like... We have drawings, not pictures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's on, like, caves and shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, she looks at our buildings, and we're building with, like, plywood and stuff. She's like, what are these little, like, matchbox houses <laughs> that you sell to each other for a million dollars? It's ridiculous. Like, we build with bricks and stone yes, and cement. And things and, like, that won't burn. And, like, because yeah. We learned like right. through like hundreds of years right. of human like like uh, cultural evolution to like build sturdily, and yeah. we still we are a very um, we're a very adolescent country, and I think uh, you know I think Donald Trump shows that very well. I think you know it's he is the embodiment of our like of what a little what a teenage kind of country would want just this very ego driven just all about me nationalistic just aggressive prideful kind of a point of view yeah you know it's interesting you say that because like and i i try on this show to stay away i just feel like anywhere you tune in you hear trump 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 so i just like i feel i feel like he doesn't need any more airtime, and it's kind of frustrating to talk about him but when i look at it on a symbolic level and you know, people are like, I'm shocked. Why is he our president? It's not shocking to me. This dude is like the personification, in my mind, the personification of the shadow, right? You know, it's like, but he's racist. He's like, fuck yes, he's racist. And, you know, we have a lot of racist fucking people in this country. And, you know, that was, that was more in the shadows, especially in the Obama years. It was more in the shadows. It was more kind of suppressed and over here. But it's, it's been going on for a long, long time. I mean, 50 years ago, you couldn't drink out of the same water fountain, right? And or you just were able to start to if you were a, a black person in this country. So, you know, we have come a long way. This is the worst that it's ever been. I don't know that this is the worst that it's ever been. I think that the shadow is most exposed and more exposed now than it's ever been before. And given that, my own viewpoint, maybe this is just a placebo, is if that's indeed true and it's been going on all the time, then there's actually some good news in the fact that truth is being exposed. It just depends upon how we look at it. But people have to stay awake and it means work and it means you know staying diligent and getting people to vote and engaging in a process and a very imperfect democracy, all this stuff. you know. So I'm actually kind of hopeful, which is kind of a bizarre way to look at this particular time but I feel like it's uh, it's kind of like that old Grateful Dead song where they say like you know when life looks like easy street there's danger at your door you know like I really I really like it so when it's exposed at least we know what our battle is and it's right out in front of us um, that was a long soliloquy but hey whatever <laughs> it's my damn show <laughs> um, <laughs> Lauren you have any questions for Daniel? Yeah um, well I have a few one of them being so um, I read your book I Killed a Rat 
and it's really I really like the structure of it and how it's separated in different sections I'm curious as to like what your process was in writing that book sure um, the process was um, basically I, I've, I think about it at a dinner table if there's everyone's you know got stories and and are busy and have their own sort of things going on and if you go oh the craziest thing just happened to me you've got about like you know three minutes to like get in set the stage say the thing that was really crazy and get out right and you don't need to like summarize this the like the the, the point at the end and you say like um this is why i told that story because blah blah, blah. So I kind of just wanted to, I'd been traveling for a while when I wrote that book, and I had had so many of these conversations with strangers, essentially. It was like, you just sit down at a dinner table with a few random people, and you get that three minutes to tell like the craziest thing that just happened to you. Mm-hmm. And so the book was, a, was a structured around that. Like, what are the like most peak random sort of experiences that also had I think every story in that book if you look at it is designed to like there's a deeper meaning to it they're they're all they're like crazy stupid stories but they also have a deeper sense to them but they're like that and then there's no summary there's it just goes right to the next story like as if somebody cut me off starts telling their story and then I could jump in with my next story and there's no like Timeline. It doesn't have to go in order. It doesn't have to kind of come to a sort of grand crescendo in the end. It's just a bunch of stories of the life. Yeah. Kind of a Dada's view, sort of like I'll throw it all out there and put it all on one page and let it all, or in one space, and let it organize itself through the power of story. Yeah, I think so. And I feel like as well, if you don't like a story, you're only like three pages away from the next story. So yeah, you so can you just move you move on. Yeah. How do we how does someone buy your book who might be interested? How can they go about getting it? Uh, currently, it's on Amazon. Um, and what's so it called again? It's called I Killed a Rat. I knew that, but I just wanted you to be able to shamelessly plug it. <laughs> yeah. And my my pseudonym for that book is Dan Brooklyn, actually. Okay. So some of the stories were so um uh, off color, I felt that I, I need, really needed. I didn't want to. You needed an anonymous name. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want. And, and in, but we just blew that. Exactly. I know. I really shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't have told you this. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I, especially if people needed to Google me for new jobs and that kind of yeah, thing, yeah. Uh, I, I wanted them to uh, not find all my deep dark secrets that were well not- no one's gonna mistake it like you don't look like Dan Brooklyn <laughs> not that like somebody should look at it so like Dan Brooklyn is like it's a good name actually but it's like a name for somebody besides you I'm trying to think of like what would be a good it's like a stage name almost yeah I wanted it to be I mean it's where I was born so it yeah. makes sense and yeah. uh, and if they when they would bring me up like on the book tour and stuff I still wanted them to call me like a name that I would recognize right so Dan obviously yeah. Yeah. but I did want it to be like clearly a fake name oh nice so when you went around and people were introducing you at these book tours they would say no I present to you Dan Brooklyn like they really <laughs> yeah totally totally and did I, you ever chuckle inside when they would do it like it seems like or did you just get used to it no I would just say to myself like I'm I'm fucking Dan Brooklyn yeah that's me yeah let's do this I, I actually like the songwriter you know John Mellencamp I actually think he's a really good songwriter even though a lot of people just think Jack and Diane or whatever but if you look at like his whole body of work it's actually 
pretty good American songwriter, right? So I was thinking that, you know, and, he, and in the early days he was John Mellon, or Johnny Cougar. Like that was his like, uh, you're going to be a rock star name. So I was actually thinking a good name like for me would be like Dan Cougar. Like actually, he went back to Mellencamp for the authenticity, but if I had a stage name, I'd just go Danny Cougar. I like that. You like that? I like Danny Cougar. Yeah. Maybe we could just make that my stage name from now on. What do you think, Lauren? Yeah? Sure. That works? I mean, legally see if it works, though. <laughs> like, I trademarked it, I don't know. But Daddy and Danny Cougar. Yeah, we'll see. See, <laughs> see, 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 like see what we got. Like younger women, though, like Danny Cougar. It has that, like, oh, you know or, what I mean? No, that would be Danny Puma. <laughs> is that the male version? Look out, Danny Puma's coming into the bar. Oh, God. <laughs> Come in with my Puma strike. <laughs> Hello, ladies, Danny Puma. <laughs> and then you can design Danny Pumas. There you go. We can do our own and we get a deal with Puma sneakers. I'm liking this, actually. Right, let's, let's spitball let's, uh, let's spitball this thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, curious, like, so, so a lot of people who listen to our show are kind of looking for direction, looking for their own inspiration, kind of grinding it, and uh, feel like they have a, a lot of human beings have a sense that there's something more out there, that there's something else that they could do. And then there's a whole bunch of people um, also kind of living cool lives, doing cool jobs in a new economy, doing different things. What do you suggest to young people, you know, who might be saying to themselves, gosh, you know, I, I want to do something different. I don't know how that is. Like, how do they find their vision? How do they find their own quest? Any recommendations, any suggestions? Well, I mean, I can only, I can only speak from, from my own um, circumstances. And I have this skill of graphic design. I was taught it, right? So I started teaching it at the university as well. Um, so I think design is such a, such a useful tool and so for me, having a, having a skill like that, whether it's web development or graphic design or something that you could do on your laptop, and then literally, um, for me, I felt that travel was a huge part of my growth and, yeah. and my enjoyment of the world. And in fact, it's a lot cheaper than living in Boulder, honestly, or even living in America. Yeah. So by the, by the time you pay your rent and pay your health insurance and everything else, um, you know, I was... I, traveled, you know, for a fraction of the cost of what it would take to live in America. So rather than think that it's very expensive to live uh, abroad, what I did was, you know, I acquired a a basic skill, a laptop, um, and I literally hit the road and started staying in youth hostels, which were, you know, $12 a night, eating meals for, you know, three... Granola. Got my my granola breakfast, which is nothing having a light little snack lunch, you know, and being able to travel and see the world. And in fact, finding little villages and these kind of things and staying there for a few months and feeling like you belong somewhere in the world and, and, and you can smile and, and recognize the people in your community that is outside of America and outside of the bubble that we live in. And, um, and I just find that making money, making a few hundred bucks can go a long way. Um, so for me, that's how I sort of feel like I found myself more and more and feeling like I, I, I feel more and more comfortable in my own skin um, the older I get. That's awesome. I tell kids all the time, like, if you're going to learn one thing, learn graphic design. Like, I don't care if you don't know what you're doing, you don't have your future. Like, if you can do that, when your idea does come to you, you're going to be able to launch it and, and potentially save yourself a lot of money by being able to, to you know, produce your own information, your own website, do different things, you know? Not that I'm trying to get designers out of business. I am trying to get me out of business. I think, 
you know, if uh, young adult therapeutic programs were no longer needed, that would be just fine by me, and I'd figure out something else, you know? So, um, cool. Um, and the travel, I think that that's huge. That's, a, that's been a huge part, it sounds like, of your, of your own development. Well, tell us what you're working on now. What are you up to now? What are you doing? What's the future? You never know what the future's looking like, but where are you today, and what are you looking forward to? Well, uh, in the last, let's see, in the last year or so, I, you know, I've been teaching at, at CU, and, um, and I, through, through uh, a few connections, personal connections, I, I got a job at a local uh, technology company here in Boulder called Sovereign, S-O-V-R-N, Sovereign, and, uh, and we produce uh, technology products that, is, uh, that basically help publishers to, the, our tagline is, do more of what you love and less of what you don't. So all the stuff from a publisher standpoint in terms of um, advertising and tracking their metrics and seeing where their traffic's coming and where it's going, we create all those tools for them so they can concentrate on writing articles and taking photos and flying where they need to go and knowing that the baseline of their business is, is handled. So, you know, I've been the lead designer there um, and I, I've been really loving it. You know, I... I now am like a normal guy with a job <laughs> that lives like in an apartment, you know, and I feel so great about it. I have a car, I got, got a car and I, I get stuck in traffic and I like all the things that are like maybe become like boring to the average person. I just love, you know, people have asked me, where do you want to travel next? And I'm like, nowhere. I know I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. I love it. Like I get in my car and I get stuck in traffic on the way to work and I have my team there and I feel great about it. I work, you know, eight, nine hours a day um, being part of this creative team. And uh, what's Sovereign's website? Just so people could check it out if they wanted to. Sure. It's sovrn.com. Cool. Yep. So um, we originally were called Sover Sovereign, uh, spelled correctly, but, uh, you know, immediately got a cease and desist. So we dropped all the vowels. Oh. <laughs> you know? Because someone else had that name or something. It was probably like Sovereign Capital or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. Some, some venture capital. Yeah. Some, someone with a lot of money, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, just like, get <laughs> this kid off my website. Get this out of here. Get this out of here. That sounds awesome. Um, any words of encouragement you have uh, before we close up about, you know, other aspiring uh, designers or people kind of looking to find their own way in the world? Any, any suggestions, any hope you want to offer people? I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, I have an email from a student from last night asking me exactly that question, you know, and she's like, I, I want to make my website. I, you know, where do I start? Who, who should I go towards? How do I get my footing in this world? She's going to graduate in, uh, you know, a month and a half. And she's just looking at that almost like a diving board and like, how do I now jump into and what is the thing that I jump into? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, I can't be presumptuous enough to, to, to like, to try to solve that. All I could say is like, think about where you want to go and who you want to help. Um, and I think that's where I have, I've always looked at my skills as helping somebody like, being of service. Being of service, right. So, so somebody wants to become, let's say, an acupuncturist. So they quit their job. And what do they need? They need to look professional. So they need a website and a logo and a business card so they can... And needles. And a bunch of needles. <laughs> that I leave to somebody else, yeah. But, but I, so I'm helping them to, as cheesy as it might sound, like, you know, achieve their goal or achieve their dream or whatever. But I look at it like that. How can I help what can I do? How can I partner with you? And so for me, I, I guess my, 
you're only as useful as the help that you want to provide, you know? And so rather than think that you're going to be the greatest, coolest, whatever thing, like just thinking about who you can help and how you can help and, and what good you can do. And I think the rest just takes care of itself. You get the winds behind you when that happens. When we align ourselves in the spirit of service, there's something, there's a third something that happens um, without getting too woo-woo about it, but that's been my experience. Like, logic and planning are a little bit overrated, but when you actually align yourself and your heart in the intention to be of service truly for other people, I found that you get luckier. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you get luckier by aligning yourself with truly trying to be of service in the most positive way to person. Without, without looking always at the money or any other things, that those things tend to fall in line if we align ourselves with the service that is helpful to people, right? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. For me, that's how I, I look at it, for sure. I set an hourly rate or, or something along those lines or a project rate. And then and that is just an exchange. That's just a more or less an, an energetic exchange, right? I'm going to invest this many hours for you. And for that, you will put this many dollars in my bank account. Right. And that's it. We establish that. It, it feels clean and even. Great. And now we can go to work. Now yeah. we can start. Now I can listen and find the way I can use my skills to best help you to achieve what you're trying to achieve. That's so, um, I, yeah, I think that would, that's it, you know, rather than um, trying to be the next coolest, best, greatest, richest, blah, blah, blah. I think that just ends in, 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 a f- in just a drug problem. <laughs> totally. I, I, I can attest to that is actually true. Um, but anyway, thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to meet you. And um, we come back on. We'll do it in legitimately in the studio sometime. And hopefully the quality of this will work out okay. Sure. I'd love to. Thank awesome. you. Thanks for coming on, Daniel. Thanks, Lauren, for setting it up. Great guest. Great suggestion. Um, this has been the I Can Help You podcast. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us now on Spotify. On Spotify. Spotify. And it's the I Can't Help You podcast. I can't help you. Oh, just I can't help you. I just can't help you, and then we're just the yellow logo. We're the yellow logo on the I can't help you on Spotify. Go in there and subscribe. Um, that would be great. We are also on iTunes. Yes, we are. And where can you find us at iTunes? Just type in I can't help you, and we're that yellow logo with that black lettering. That hot black lettering looks like we stenciled it because we did. And what else? Uh, we're other places. Oh, Facebook. We found us on Facebook. Fa- Facebook, we are at. We are at I can't help you. We have a little page there, and also we are on Instagram at I can't help you. And we're on Twitter, too, at I Can't Help You Pod. So all sorts of ways to see us, but appreciate it if you are so inclined and your regular listener. Go on iTunes, go ahead and write a little review there, and subscribe. And then this will automatically show up on your phone, and you won't even have to come look at us. And then you have a podcast also? No. What? No, just Instagram or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. How do we find you on social media? Oh, sure. My Well, my Instagram is Braha, my last name, B-R-A-H-A. And like I said, the website's sosmedia.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks for taking the time. All right. Yeah. See you next time.